welcome back or welcome to the Success Times Happiness podcast. Today, you've just got me, which is a little bit terrifying um, and somewhat exciting, I guess. Um, we are talking today, going back in my history, about essentially how uh, why I left law um, and why and, I, and how I left law to pursue a career in professional endurance sport. I'll try to be brief <laughs> and, uh, and and stick to the pertinent points I, I, I think are important in the hope that someone can learn something from my experiences. The desire to find success has always been with me and it's probably only in the past five, six years where I've really, whether the idea of bringing in that happiness piece has become really important to me. And Understanding the, the balance of those two concepts and the importance of those two concepts, um, how they relate with life in general. Very quickly, taking taking us back, when I left school, uh, I always wanted to be a lawyer. That was, I guess, in my family's DNA. And look back at high school and want to be a lawyer purely because of the success piece, of the status piece of what it, what people would think of me. I guess, because I'm a lawyer, I didn't really understand what being a lawyer meant, but, uh, or what the reality of that is, but I knew there was some sort of prestige. And I look back and think, goodness, that's a really poor, uh, outlook. I felt like what was driving that desire was notoriety or what other people think rather than truly thinking, well, what do I want to do with my life? But I mean, we're only teenagers and we're only making the best decisions we can. And at that time, but I guess I saw my grandfather and my father as both were both lawyers, and I thought that's the path of of success. And um, I was relatively good at English and good at speaking and debating, and that was the sort of path. Had I had my time again, I'm not sure what I would do, um, but probably not that. But anyway, so I got out of school uh, and pretty much got into uni and to start to start the law I did uh, accounting as well two really dry topics but or subjects or courses but uh, I was really un, was relatively unfit aerobically going out of school and I thought I'll try triathlon because a family member was doing it and I thought that'd be a, a fun thing to do and it separated me I did a lot of team sports in high school and so to do something individually was a really unique thing for me to do and I really enjoyed that I sucked at it though, like properly. I was, um, I was very confident for some reason. Like the first triathlon that I did, I looked at the start list. It was a sprint triathlon. Looked at the start list in the 16 to 19 age group and thought, did a little bit of research as much as you could back then and thought, those times are okay. I'll be able to do that. And I got, I was dead last in that age group. I remember getting out of the water, feel like a truck ran me over behind. I was the last of the girls wave that went before, uh, went after us. So lapped by all the girls in the water or overtaken rather. And, um, but yeah, it was a, an atrocious race, I guess, but I loved it. So that was when I was uh, 17 and fast forward, what drew me to the consistency piece, which is the, the lesson out of this experience is the improvement. So I loved endurance sport because you, the more you put into it, the more it gave you back, like in terms of your improvement. I was strong on the bike. Um, 
naturally, I think, because of the my my years of being a wicketkeeper in cricket. So I was doing free weight squats like 500 times every Saturday plus training. So my quads were already uh, fairly strong. And so I found biking very uh, a strength of mine uh, and swimming not so much. So the longer course format of triathlon suited that. So I naturally gravitated to that distance, did half Ironmans. Um, back when, this is back when you had to qualify for the for Ironman Australia. You had to qualify through half Ironmans or through what now is called 70.3s. I didn't think I'd ever do an Ironman at that point, and then it sort of dawned on me that I possibly could. I did my first Ironman when I was well, 20, and that was at Port Macquarie. The first race did 9.44. Had done a number of like half marathons and marathon straight runs too, but it wasn't that great, sort of 3.30 base finishing times and um my family went down there and and uh they expected me to qualify for hawaii i missed out by one spot that's fine went back the next year improved by 15 minutes missed out on one spot again and then at that point i was like right i really want to go to hawaii for the world championships i'm putting everything into this now and uh went part-time with uni and trained very very hard and that was an amazing period of time where i went from focusing on just doing the sport to really putting everything into it. So I was then 22, went to Bustleton and I, and, and, and WA and broke nine hours, first sort of uh, under 24 year old to do that and and won the age group spot and we're off to Hawaii that following October. So that was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. And um, then again, went went full noise at that project and very easy living at home and um putting uni on part-time and i think the final semester i actually um didn't do my exams i pushed that on to the next semester but um we went to hawaii and i was very fortunate on debut to win the 18 to 24 world championship um at ironman in in kona and i guess that experience which you know um so that was sort of six years seven years of compounding benefit or compounding work and that consistent work. And so that experience for me was integral for life, even to where we are now, because it, there's a couple of really key points there that I never started triathlon thinking that I would reach the pit, you know, to become an age group world champion, but I was intrigued about that process and to see the improvements and obviously it wasn't linear there was a lot of pla- those plateaus and then it's like well why does that happen and we need to work through that and try to get away from those plateaus but it, it was such an integral experience to have in your early 20s when all my friends are out partying drinking and smoking and i'm there grinding and without a clear goal or without a clear guarantee of where this was actually going and to then see that come off and see the fruits of that consistency was really important to how the rest of my life sort of transpired and to, to, to today. So that was a really important um, element, I think. Then I uh, get my law degree and start practicing. I don't do triathlon anymore at that point. Um, and I practice for five years. Through that whole time, I'm coaching part-time. So I'm back before working from home or working remotely was a thing. We was, I was starting this business of T0. 
where I was coaching people online uh, through through Training Peaks. But and then we I started that in two thousand and ten, and so I was a lawyer, but I was using my experience and my understanding and knowledge of training philosophies to coach athletes to help them reach their goals. And so that was a natural. I didn't have to do too much before I got very busy. I guess on a part-time level, one person did a great job, had a great experience, told someone that it was all just sort of word of mouth. I was happy with where I was at. I loved coaching. I loved helping people achieve their potential um, through my through my lessons, and I and I felt I contributed a small part to that success. Then it was a wonderful feeling. Um, but in my mind, I'm still a lawyer, and I'm still that's my career, and. It was uh, an important element. Uh, you, you sort of bring in a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, Scotty Farrell, who was a teacher but didn't love it, was studying nutrition at the time. He was coaching part-time as well. We would go for runs together and we'd be like, ah, uh, you know, we both sort of had that feeling that this isn't the careers for us. So we had to sort of loosely, I distinctly remember that the runs that we would have at night and I'd be like, yeah, but we can't, you know, I'm leaving it. Like the law is paying really well. It's a... You know, it's a six-figure job with future earnings of of whatever you want, really, if you run your own firm and versus a triathlon coach, you know. And so it was, that's not, it was never really reality. And then a file came onto my desk at work and it was a old lady. And I won't bore you with the details because the details are very, very boring. But it was an area of law that hadn't been tested in the court. Supreme Court of Queensland's the highest, highest, judicial court in the state had to hear it. The result was for my client, we thought, we, we obviously thought my client was in the right, was, was, should win this case. And obviously the other side thought the opposite. And, uh, usually at that stage, I was like a four year lawyer, four and a half year post admission. And, uh, usually the senior partner would say, yeah, I'll run this, you shadow me. And, but it was a busy, busy time in the firm and the senior partner was like, you've got this. Uh, if you need help, obviously let me know, but you can choose your barrister. You can choose the direction and go after it, which is, which is a really amazing experience to, to have such a, such a young lawyer. And, um, anyway, so if the client won, if we won in the court, she would retire with, I think about $5 million. And if we lost, then she would be left with maybe 300,000 to retire and she's 65 or 68 or something. So significant difference in life for her, how that looks depended on one decision from a judge. But, um, you know, got a good barrister. We believe we were right. Um, and usually these things settle, but this didn't settle before court because we both sides very strongly believed in, in their own position and the fact that it hadn't been tested in court. And so, uh, we won that case. And we set a precedent in, which is still strong today in this area of law. And I went to the client's house because she was too nervous for the judgment reading and sat her down and, and told her that we won. And it was amazing. It was an amazing afternoon. It, like she made a cup of tea and she could, for, for both of us, and she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. And so we obviously changed her life uh, for the better. The barrister and I for the next year, went around to different junkets to talk about this case. And people, you know, were like, oh, this is going to be your area of law. You're going to be, um, this is, this is it. This is amazing. Like, you, you know, you're going to be really successful in this point in this area. And I'm sitting at junkets going, like, I just couldn't care. And my desire at that stage was really low 
for the law. And I thought, I've pushed papers, like it literally is feeling like you've pushed papers for four years on every single matter. And it's, you know, there are some highs and lows as as there are in all jobs, but if that is the absolute pinnacle of my career, uh, and I've experienced it now, you know, it had nothing compared to being at the finish line of an Ironman, seeing an athlete qualify for their world championship ticket or going to Hawaii and watching athletes realize their dreams or even anyone like seeing a, a, a mama who keeps doing a half marathon that she'd never think was, con- you know, as possible and going and seeing that or, or, or seeing the, the splits come up to see her do that is, is exactly the same feeling as I felt in the house with this elderly lady to say that we've just won this case. So I think also coupled with that, I was then promoted to work, to work directly with the senior partner and it was, and I thought we would be delegating and just enjoying the ride of, of, I was sort of getting um, prepared to, to take a share in the firm, I think. And it was very obvious to me that that senior partner loved the law. He was so passionate about it as well as the work and everything that came with it. But he fundamentally, that was his passion. And it was very obvious to me that that wasn't mine. And so I would be sitting in a job for the sake of sitting in the job. And that didn't sit well with me. And at that time, the coaching business is going well in the sense that it's, I'm getting more inquiries that I'd like. And then I, then I started to read, um, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And that was, and that was recommended by very good friends of mine, Kim and Brett. And in that book, there was a parable, which I will read to you now, which changed my outlook in that moment. And that's about, and you might've heard this and you can fast forward, um, I mean, I'm sure you're already on double speed, but that's fine. Um, but you can fast forward this if you've already heard it, but it's about an American banker, investment banker, and a Mexican fisherman. And it says, an American investment banker was, ta- was taking a much needed vacation in a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. The boat had several large fresh fish in it. The investment banker was impressed by the quality of the fish and asked the Mexican how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, oh, a little while. The banker then asked why he didn't stay out longer and catch more fish. The Mexican fisherman replied, he had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? A Mexican fisherman replied, I sleep late, I fish a little, play with my children, take siestas with my wife, stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. The investment banker scoffed and says, I have an Ivy League MBA. I could help you. You could spend more time fishing and with the proceeds buy a bigger boat and with the proceeds from that bigger boat, you could buy several boats until eventually you'd have a whole fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to the middleman, you could sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You'd control the product processing and distribution. He then added, of course, you would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City, where you would run your growing enterprise. The fisherman asked, but senor, how long will this all take? To which the American replied, 15, 20 years. And then the Mexican said, but what then? And the American laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company's stock to the public and become very rich. 
you could make millions. Millions, senor? Then what? To which the investment banker replied, you would then retire. You could move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siestas with your wife and stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play your guitar with your amigos. Every time I read that or remember that story, it, I guess, depicts the rat race and everything that's wrong with it. And it's something that I read and I was like, at that critical moment of feeling about how I felt about law, and I was like, oh, I just can't be here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm the rat race person, and I just don't want to be here. And so um, I spoke with Scotty, and we thought, all right. And I think from the lessons that I learned about my athletic, you know, um, going from an, an overweight goalkeeper, wicketkeeper to, to world champion in, in Hawaii as an age grouper, I knew the value of consistent hard work and consistency and what that would look like and, and setting big goals and going after them. And, and I guess they were great lessons about success and what I was experiencing at that moment with the law and moving to doing, being a full-time online triathlon coach was about happiness and being driven to that, to go, I'd rather be focused on being happy with the moment that I have than doing something that I know is not my passion, but it is inverted commas successful. And so it, it, we thought we, we put out a plan and thought, how do we, how do we create a six figure coaching business, uh, to replicate, I guess, the income that we would lose in our respective jobs. And we came up with that, uh, proposal and, um, 2016 was my last day at the office and uh, that then I became a full-time triathlon, full-time triathlon coach, which is ridiculous given, you know, I spent six years uh, at uni or six and a half years at uni doing uh, two degrees in a, in a postgrad. It definitely taught me the value of trusting your instincts and following what you believe is to be true and following what you want to achieve, achieve in life that's your passion. Then... I think from 2016 onwards, I thought, all right, I, I, I want to get back into the sport personally. Um, obviously, it sits well with the whole brand of being a coach, but also not being the overweight, unfit coach, um, but being someone who's active in the sport. And I wanted to know, based on my knowing that I, what I could do as a 23-year-old, what could I do as a, in my 30s when you're in, you know, you're essentially in your prime as an endurance athlete, going closer to the balance of success and happiness, where both are sitting really, really nicely. I trained a lot, requalified for Hawaii for the one-day triathlon, went over there in 2016 and was leading the amateur race. That was the goal, to be the first amateur across the line. And I was leading that race halfway th or maybe two, maybe a third of the way into the bike and just properly stuffed it in terms of race plan uh, and nutrition probably, but had a relatively disappointing race um, for me. And... I uh, came home and I thought, I've got all this fitness. I really want to do something with it. And based on life, uh, things that were going on at the time, I only really had a six month window to do something with that fitness. And so there was a, there was an Ironman in Australia, uh, to do in the middle of that block in that first half of the year in 2017, or there was someone and then, or there was Ultraman and I'd never, I thought I knew about Ultraman at the time, 
Um, but 10 kilometers of swimming, no thank you. That is way too, way too far. I still believe that, by the way. I, I put my application in late. Obviously, we're in sort of December now, and the race organizer said, well, look, we're full, but you're, you could be the first one on the list, the wait list. And so I didn't hear back from them until late January, and I was going to, like, I was literally going to email them and say, don't worry, because I'd done no training, mainly due to the fact that I hadn't been accepted. And then I was going to email them on the Monday, but on the Sunday, they called and said, you've got the spot. And so we trained, I trained basically Feb, March, April for the, for the race, and uh, had no idea what we were doing, um, but we inadvertently broke the world record. It's an it's an amateur sport, so the professional, the the high of high professionals in triathlon don't really go over there in that distance. But it was amazing to think that we've done something like that. In 2018, went to Hawaii for the World Championships. We won the World Championships there. COVID hit, but then I was done after 2018. I was like. I've done everything I can do that I want to do in the sport. It probably pushed that, that 2018 tilt for the world champs, pushed that envelope of how much, I guess the success piece was a bit stronger than the happiness piece. And I was much more focused on getting the job done rather than enjoying that journey towards the race. So I crossed the finish line a little bit sour. I was like, yeah, great. But I didn't really enjoy that process um, as much as we, I did in 2017. So I was like, that sport, I'm, I'm, I'm probably done now. And then, yeah, COVID hit. Nick said, how fast do you think it's possible to go in Ultraman? And I, we worked out that breaking 20 hours would be uh, ridiculous, a ridiculous goal to set. And so I was like, ah, now that's something we want. Now something that I want to do. And so from 2019, almost, yeah, 2019 was when we said sub 20. And now we're in early 2023. We're a couple of weeks out from this race and we're now uh, trying to break 20 hours. And so where I am now, I believe, is what I've come to is finding that balance of success and happiness. I'm really happy to have found that balance. And as much as I think I can at the moment, there's a lot of moving parts to it. And um, I, what I've experienced in the last couple of years um, is that I hadn't tapped into at all in my entire life centers around the relationship you have with yourself and that that relationship is far more important and is, it is the fundamental relationship you need to nail to have a successful and a very happy life. And the people that are, I believe, the people who are jaded, depressed, uh, angry, frustrated, or any of those sort of, any time that any of us lash out at someone or the kids or otherwise, it's, it comes back, I believe, to, the, to your fundamental position of how you feel about yourself. And so many people, I think, just do not want to answer that or even contemplate that relationship. And it comes back to like, also, like how, do, how do we talk to ourselves? You know, that is a conversation that no one hears, but I am very confident that the majority of people would never speak to a person the way they speak to themselves. And that's a problem. And I've found that, the, and I've done a lot of work in the last couple of years in trying to find, trying to establish that relationship with myself. I believe that what's driven me 
over my entire existence has been that desire to achieve will somehow validate my existence or validate or, or not make me happy, but why I'm here and why I'm doing things. And whereas right now I'm sitting here, yeah, I want to break 20 hours, but I'm so fine if I don't. And, and that comes back to a place of, I believe, self-love, self-respect. And what I've found as well, that if you can really work on that area and that relationship is like, it's, is amazing. And it's like any relationship, you've got to really work at that and pull yourself up and, and reflect on that, on that, um, on those conversations that you do have and how, how soft you hold yourself and how well you talk to yourself and, and all of that, that if you nail that, then that comes, that centers yourself and that provides you with the foundation. That's your two feet on the ground. And then you can deal with anything that the world throws at you because the relationship that you have with yourself is solid. And so I, amongst, you know, having an amazing team around me to help me be the best version that I can and, and be the best athlete that I can. Um, I would, I would pay homage to my relationship with me as the single reason why I've been able to make the gains that I've had in the sport in Ultraman to, at this point, we haven't raced yet. Um, so you know, nothing, nothing counts until that happens. But, you know, in the past six months to, to nine months, the, I, I've been really surprised as to how much my body has been able to endure physically, um, and, and responded to that and make those gains in training. And sometimes it doesn't like three weeks ago, I had a terrible session, like properly stuffed it and you could talk to yourself really horribly about that or, you know, throw the goal out the window or otherwise, but you, but you don't because you've got a great relationship with yourself. Yeah, that's okay. You know, we can, we learn from it, move on and it'll be fine. But I think finding that balance of success and happiness for me comes, always comes back to how do you find yourself? There's that study and I haven't got the details of it, but something like a group of people, a large group of people had an option of sitting in a room, dark room by themselves for 15 minutes with just with their own thoughts or get a small electric shock. And like 60% or 65% of people chose the electric shock than just sitting with themselves. It's the reason why we, you know, you, you, you stand in line and you immediately pull out your phone because God forbid you need you to sit there in your own mind. Or you're at a cafe and you're with a friend and the friend goes to the toilet and you can't just stand, sit there and be there in your own presence. You must have some distraction. Um, it's like driving in the car. You've got to have music. You've got to have a podcast. You've got to have something or call somebody or you can't just sit there. And so people find that sometimes like they're in the shower and they come up with the, the best ideas because that's the, probably the only moment they have in their life or their day where they're solely by themselves. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I'd like to go more into that through this podcast, because I believe that if everyone worked harder at being better, that relationship with yourself 
and that relationship becomes stronger. And um, then I think the world is a better place. People are far more secure and happy and ultimately successful because of that. And I think a lot of that is to deal with being more selfish um, to improve that that relationship so that you can be selfless uh, and help others after that. And I, and I believe I found this in Ultraman, but finding something that mo in terms of you're looking to do something worth doing and you want to be successful at it, it, for me, it comes down to consistency, which is what I learned going into Ironman when I was in uni. And it is um, about finding what you enjoy, which is the happiness piece. So if you can find something that is hard to do, that not many people want to be consistent at, but you find enjoyable and you f you're, you're happy doing it, that consistency, then I believe you'll find true success um, in whatever you do. So not many people want to do the training that I do at the intensity that I do it. And, but I really enjoy it and therefore I don't give up. I don't, there's, the consistency is not an issue. It's not, not a drag to be that consistent and therefore I succeed. So whatever it is, if you want to knit, if you want to, uh, own a 10 bin bowling alley, I don't know what, whatever it is for success, you need consistency and you need to enjoy it. Otherwise you'll give up the purpose of there's a thousand podcasts out there or millions of podcasts out there. And I'm a, I've loved listening to podcasts for years. If we can create a, a place where you can get inspired and get the lessons learnt from people who have been successful or unsuccessful or happy and or unhappy, but people have got wonderful lessons to, I believe all people have wonderful lessons to share. And I really enjoy talking to people and prying out those lessons because I think everyone has lessons to give. And if that helps all of us, those, those conversations help all of us to contemplate or think or reflect. And ultimately with the, with the, the purpose of wanting to be happier, wanting to be more successful and those conversations help that process, then that's awesome. And, you know, Cody's in the background here and we both are under no illusion that like, we're not doing it for any other reason, but we want to do it. And so we believe that we be consistent. We, if we're consistent with this, because we enjoy it, it's not work, it's play. Um, we, it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm not looking for a million downloads of any kind, but it's for me, it's that period of time where I'm like, I want to know more. I want to know, grab that information from other people and learn everything I possibly can so that I can implement that in my life. And if more people, people listening, uh, do the, you know, they, they do the same, then that's a wonderful thing. So that's about it. That's why I left a six figure job to be an online triathlon coach right now. It's, it's all about this race and my athletic goal. And that's certainly the recipe for me at the moment for success and happiness. So, uh, thank you for your time listening to that and um until next time peace